feeling in touch with your religious side? Wanting to rid yourself of sin? It's your lucky day because God is a trans woman, woman. Sasha Sidek. And Jesus is non binary, binary, binary. Jacob Gamble. Join, Join us on Queering the Air every Sunday from 3 to 4 p.m. Queer and trans arts, politics, pop culture, and everything in between. Only on Tracy R Community Radio. Come worship at the altar of your queerness desires. It lingers when we're done. You believe God is a God is a trans woman, Jesus is non-binary, and it must be that hour of the day uh, when we once again yassify the airwaves of 3CR Community Radio. My name's Jacob Gamble. Welcome to Queering the Air. Uh, We'll be with you for the next hour until four o'clock today. Thanks for tuning in. Starting off, as always, in acknowledging today we're broadcasting from the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations and extending that respect to elders past and present, uh, and just acknowledging that the land that we're on uh, was stolen, and that the the process of colonization continues to this day. And I thought as well, while we're on the topic of elders and acknowledging those who have come before us, I wanted to uh, to send a, a special acknowledgement of all of our queer and trans elders who have come before us, and paved the way for us to live our authentic lives um, as much as we can today. So thank you, queer and trans elders. Um, Welcome to the show. This is kind of a big deal because it's my second last show of the year. I'm actually going away on a gallivanting tour of Europe um, for about five, six months. Um, yeah, and so it's a bit sad because it means I won't be able to to do these shows anymore. Sasha will be staying on, and we've also got a couple of other new presenters potentially in the works, so keep your ears peeled um, and your eyes glued on Queering the Air. You can follow us on our Instagram page, Queering the Air 3CR, or if you're on Twitter, we're also there too, Queering the Air. Um, but Interestingly, sticking with that international theme, today's show uh, touches on a number of different queer issues that are at the forefront um, of the global movement for queer rights. In particular, we're speaking with Eka Wayodi, who is from a non-for-profit organization based in Indonesia called Aris Palangi, uh, and they they do a lot of work around protecting queer rights, um, and in particular, just fighting for uh, to be seen as human, I think was the main point that I got out of that interview, uh, which was generously translated by Ari Tambubolan. So thank you, Ari. Um, She's an icon and a legend. Uh, And we're also going to be having a chat with Farhad Ali, uh, who is a Palestinian queer activist, all about the situation happening at the moment. Um, Well, not at the moment, uh, for years and years and years and continuing on to this day. Uh, What's happening in Israel with Tel Aviv Pride coming up? 
And speaking a bit about how pinkwashing is another technique used by what a lot of human rights organizations and activists have been calling an apartheid state Israel uh, in order to sort of distract from the human rights atrocities that are happening in Palestine. So, yeah, two really uh, great interviews coming up later in the show. We're also going to be hearing from Marnie Blue, who is a trans singer uh, based here in Nam. She's just released a new track. It's called Nightmare. Um, so really looking forward to that. Uh, but first up, I thought we could start off um, with a quick song before we get into the game. So... We're going to play you one. Um, this one's by a, a local singer called Umbra Moon, and it's called Only You in the End. You're on 3CR. We'll be back after this. City right next to me in your car. We could
Only You in the End by Umbra Moon there. You're on 3CR, queering the air, joined by me, Jacob, and it's my second last show, so thank you to all the fans who have stuck around for the journey, uh, all three of you. No, just kidding. Uh, we're going to jump into our first interview now. Um, speaking about the situation in Indonesia, for those that have not been following what's going on, uh, essentially the government has this bill, uh, which will take two years to come into effect, but essentially it bans, uh, sexual relations outside of marriage, which indirectly, but, well, arguably directly impacts queer relationships because they cannot get married. So they're essentially being put at risk of persecution uh, for for being themselves. So this interview is with Eka Wayodi, who is from a not-for-profit organization, Aris Palangi. Uh, they're an advocacy group that fights for LGBT plus rights in Indonesia. Uh, now, the interview was conducted in Bahasa Indonesian, um, and I was very, very grateful to have Ari Tempobolan, uh there with me, and she translated for us. So here it is. Take a look. Thank you again for coming on the show. My first question is just, can you tell us a bit about yourself, um, your experience as a queer person in Indonesia, and how you first got into advocacy. Jadi, tanya pertama lah, Mbak Eca, backgroundnya adalah apa dan bagaimana Mbak Eca bisa masuk ke bidang advokasi untuk hak asasi LGBT di sana? Oke, perkenalkan saya Eca Waode. Echa is a representative of Arus Polangi, which is an advocacy group that helps with understanding uh, queer people's rights in Indonesia. Um, and the need for this has happened because there has been a lot of an increase in violence in, towards LGBT people, specifically trans people. Um, and they need there needs to be an awareness um, of such in the cultural framework, but also um, people there who are advocating for uh, victims of violence over there. I know there was a recent law that passed that's criminalizing same-sex um, activities or sexual activities outside of marriage. Can you tell us a bit about the law and how it came about? Proses undang-undang ini bisa terjadi karena banyak sekali ujaran-ujaran kebencian dari masyarakat. This law that has just come about is very much a result of growing public sentiment of hatred towards LGBT people in Indonesia. It is a law that hopes to that seeks to silence LGBT people from critiquing the government over there. And it is uh, a law that has seeped through to affect even um, the education of safe sex and um, sexual health. So as she was uh, telling me, um, there a lot of her friends who work in um, non-for-profit organizations that focus specifically on sexual health um, are not allowed to operate anymore um, because the law states in a specific um, chapter of it that the promotion of um, uh, condoms and sexual health uh, tools are like not allowed um, and that factors into this whole this law 
What do you think are some of the implications um, of the new law for the future? Do you fear that there might be more queer rights taken away um, or that this might further embolden uh, an anti-queer and anti-trans movement? So there has always been anxieties about um, the fate of LGBT people in Indonesia to begin with. Um, there's been issues of transphobia and biphobia existing already within the LGBT community itself. And so this is another added layer in which to complicate um, the discrimination already happening in Indonesia. Now, what the law does here is that it seeps into the lives of people living there and it uh, gives them basis to act on the law rather than just morals. Um, and it, uh, the phrase that she uses, the legalization of this enables the public to players like the, the jury um, that enacts law um, on behalf of the government. And so what that does is they are able to persecute people um, just on their own accord without um, the police and go into these um, share houses, go into these um, condominiums where uh, a lot of LGBT people live and just uh, enact violence on them as a result. Um, and it's one thing that's hard to uh, take away from because it's something that already happens. But the, what the law does is it just enables people to actually go in and do it of their own accord without needing to rely on the government. Uh, institutionalized discrimination, at, um, in effect, acts so freely um, within the community there because they don't need to rely on the institution itself. It empowers these people to uh, discriminate of their own accord. That's such a frightening uh, environment to act upon. My my heart goes out to you in Indonesia, having to deal with all of that. Uh, for our listeners here in Australia, are there any ways that we can help um, queer and trans people in Indonesia? The work that they're doing over there, the activists that are um, over in Indonesia, they're already... Um, I love the phrase that she uses. Is, uh, she's tightening the, the front lines. Um, and what they're doing is they're tightening the front lines of support with coalitions uh, in amongst the organizations that are um, focused on LGBT rights over there. So that already that work is already being done over there. And I think it's one thing to um, uh, be able to show support, but also there's already, you know, when there's already on ground support mm. happening and has been happening for years. To process this law, it'll take another two years um, to actually have it in full effect in the government over there. Um, a lot of what she said um, that people from outside of Indonesia can do is just spread awareness mainly and promote uh, the positive values of being queer. Mm. Um, and focus on the the happiness and the um, the positive values of queerness rather more than anything, um, because what's happening over there is that they're trying to um, uh, be seen just as human um, and not be not focus so much on the identity but the 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 positive lifestyle that they have um, and the positive community values that they already have. Mm. And what we're trying to what they're trying to advocate for is to move away from seeing LGBT people as just uh, sexual identities and looking at them as um, humans because 
you can't separate your human rights from humans. Um, and it's gone to a point over there where um, the, uh, the, which is what we were laughing about, um, the anti-LGBT sentiment has seeped into um, there being a movement to uh, shut down the Coldplay concert that's happening in a, f- in a few weeks or a few months' time because Coldplay are strongly for the LGBT community, which is ve- a very ironic thing because Coldplay is a very, very popular band in Indonesia um, and they've sold out the main stadium in Jakarta. Like, I think they've done, they're selling out two nights um, and it's... Ironic as well because the governor of uh, Jakarta, Anis Baswedan, he has already bought a ticket to Coldplay apparently, and he, he's an avid fan of Coldplay. Um, and because right now there's a bit of tension in, uh, they're entering a new political year where he's uh, the governor of Jakarta is hoping to run for presidency. Yes, um, there's a, been an interesting political play here centered around this Coldplay. <laughs> concert because um, he likes listening to Coldplay and Mm. will be there Um, and so she was saying um, it must be such a tiring effort to be anti-LGBT and focus all of these efforts on um, shutting down the Coldplay concert because um, it just must be a lot of effort and as um, Baecha noted these people must not be eating because um, that's all they're focused on Um, they're just focused on closing down this Coldplay concert and the LGBT and not eating as a result. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, so I guess the biggest way to help as well um, with the LGBT community over there is to give them platforms. Like, this is what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. I'm very grateful that there's this platform to actually, and the room to speak about these issues. And I think if there could be more opportunities like this across various cultural spaces internationally, that would be, like, the biggest support because it's uh, it's one thing for us to um, speak about these issues outside of... Um, outside of Indonesia, but it's important to give voice to the people who are actually there. It's not so much that we're trying to, they're trying to promote being part of the LGBT community, um, but more so um, finding common ground with every other people there and being um, equal with everyone else's experience, mm-hmm. because it's not just their human rights that are being taken away and violence right at their doorstep. Um, in everyday life, their economic um, their economic um, status is also being compromised. Um, and so they've had to resort a lot to sex work, um, makeup artistry work, or independent work outside of the economy. Um, and they just want, when in reality, a lot of these trans people are very intelli- uh, intelligent and smart people who are able to work in sectors outside of just their visual and craft skill. Um, and it's more wanting to use uh, this campaign to be able to have these people seen um, as equal as instead of just by their gender expression. I'm so grateful uh, for you and your time, Eka. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you and keep in touch. Makasih banyak ya Mbak Eca. Kami sudah sangat bersenang bisa memberikan ruang untuk Mbak Eca mendiskusikan isu-isu ini. Um, dan kita harap di masa depan bakalan ada uh, lebih banyak ruang lagi untuk orang dari sana, uh, Mbak Eca atau um, Arus Pelangi untuk membahas isu-isu ini dalam 
di pagelaran internasional. It's a Wyoti there from Aris Palangi, a LGBT plus advocacy group based in Indonesia. Thanks so much to Ari Tempubolan for her generous time in translating that interview. And if you want to keep updated uh, to the, the activities of Aris Palangi, they're on all the social medias. You can follow them on Instagram and Twitter. If you just type in Aris Palangi, that's A-R-U-S. P-E-L-A-N-G-I, Aris Palangi. And thanks so much to both Esha and Ari for their generous time. Uh, we're going to turn the dial a little bit now and jump to a quick song before we get into some more great content on Queering the Air. Don't wanna say sorry for leaving and hurting you Cause it's never just sorry, it's conflict passing us truth I'm tired of going out dancing and smoking till my lips are blue I'm getting high, high, the lows is what I do when I'm alone Now I stand by the mirror and my fingers are shaking Lies that flicker in darkness They show me I'm changing And there's a kind of elation When my heart starts racing I'm getting high
That one was Dwell by Odette. Uh, you're on 3CR Queering the Air, if you didn't already know. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about um, something a bit lighter now. Marnie Blue, who is a, a trans uh, icon, singer, performer based here in Nam, has just released a new track uh, it's called Nightmare, and we're going to give it a listen shortly. I did try to get her on the show, but she is um, quite busy and was working today. So she has left us, though, a very sweet um, little message that she pre-recorded, which I'll play for you right now. Hey, it's Manny Blue, and you're about to listen to my brand new single, Nightmare. I wrote this song about a year ago with my really good friend Jackie who also goes by Absurdist. We worked on it for about a month straight. Uh, It was very much like therapy for me. I was going through a really hard time Uh, especially with like like a relationship in my life and I had to really kind of rewire my brain and my thinking about myself and my self-worth and I've constantly felt like I was in this like spiraling nightmarish state and I knew that I wanted to like have um a metal element to the song because um I knew that that was like the best way to release this emotion and to best portray like um like a sense of like trans rage and it came out through like me doing my like first ever kind of screamo and getting um a really talented metal guitarist on the track who's actually played for some members of Megadeth so I knew it was going to be like super authentic and I think it turned out really beautifully and I'm really proud of it so I hope you enjoy
Manny Blue Nightmare there. What a track. I feel like I will definitely be screaming that at the top of my lungs in a rage uh, when I'm next feeling like I need to to let it all out to express myself. So thanks, Manny, for that track. Uh, you're on Queering the Air here on 3CR, and we're about halfway through our program. So welcome if you've just joined us, and thanks for um, sticking around for this long if you've been here since three o'clock. Uh, our next guest is a Palestinian queer activist. His name's Farhad Ali. And we had a discussion because of Israel. Uh, Tel Aviv Pride is just around the corner. And I think a lot of people view Israel and Tel Aviv, perhaps not so much um, 3CR listeners, but I think um, in wider society, it's very much viewed as a gay haven in the Middle East. And it's... It's great um, if, you know, you're white and not an Arab, but as many of us know, and as as human rights organizations um, and activists have been calling for for ages, uh, Tel Aviv Pride is another strategy used by the Israeli government um, to distract from the real issues, um, which is the, the settler colonialism that's taking place at the moment in Palestine. So we had, I feel like I just rambled a lot there, but we had a bit of a chat uh, all about that and all about what queer liberation means in Palestine. Here's Farhad, Farhad Ali. Cool. So welcome to Queen the Air. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. How are you feeling? Feeling pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Just got off the flight from Sydney. <laughs> It's a nicer city, I'll say that. Maybe let's start off if you just want to tell us a bit about yourself, um, what your background is, and yeah, what, what brings you here? Yeah, well, my name is Fahad Ali. I'm a Palestinian activist. I'm also an academic in molecular biology. I'm a writer and community organizer, and I've been doing work around Palestine for about a decade now. Wow. So you've got your hand in many different baskets. Um, and obviously the reason we're here is uh, coming up to Tel Aviv Pride, which happens at the start of June. Uh, and it's quite a well-known, well-publicized mm. event. And I think um, Tel Aviv is often seen as a gay haven in the Middle East. But as yourself, you would know as a queer Palestinian or Arab in this environment, it's incredibly complex. Ghadir Shafi writes that part of the coming out process involves leaving your Arabness at the door. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on what are some of the personal and political challenges of being um, a queer Palestinian in that kind of environment. So I think that um, typically when we look at places like Palestine or you know the Middle East in general, there's um, an assumption that queer liberation sort of needs to follow the same trajectory as it has done in the West, and in particular the United States. Mm. And we're always comparing places like Palestine to places like here. And I don't necessarily know that that's a really good idea. There are reasons for difference. There's reasons that queer liberation was able to progress in the way that it did in the United States, and it may have not done elsewhere in the world. And so... The question for us is how do we see that queering come into being? And in the context of Palestine, it's remarkably difficult to get that sort of you know, societal change when you also are facing a military occupation, mm. when your main priority is staying alive 
you don't have a lot of time to think about these broader social questions. Now, of course, um, that doesn't mean that there aren't problems or that these problems aren't important. But if you are a queer Palestinian and you are living in an environment where on a daily basis you're having your lands confiscated, your homes demolished, you have restrictions on your ability to move freely, mm. right? You're trapped because you're caught between the violence of the occupation and also the patriarchy and the homophobia that exists and is in in many ways sustained by the kind of hyper-masculinity that is a response to that colonial violence, mm. right? So um, this becomes very difficult because there's, there's not really an outlet. Um, and, you know, if I were to suggest, okay, why don't we just organize a pride march in Palestine to try to fight against that kind of homophobia? Well, how can you do that? Because you're living under a military occupation where any kind of political expression is, you know, heavily policed. We're not talking about just pride parades. It's illegal to march down the street in Palestine for any political cause because you're going to attract the attention of the Israeli military. And if we don't have an environment in which you can have those forms of political expression, then you can't have that development. All right. So um, that's something that I would just point out in the first place mm -hmm. in regards to you know, queer liberation in Palestine. So if you want to see queer liberation, you need to necessarily have the dismantling of the settler colonial system in the first place. Um, but to be a queer Palestinian is, you know, if you, if you sort of abstract it away from the situation, you have, on the one hand, this internal sort of, you are queer, right? That's not something that you can erase from yourself. And so you're also Palestinian, Right. And so it's almost like you are being forced to choose between one aspect of your identity and another. Do you want to be queer or do you want to be Palestinian? And that is a choice that n people don't want to make. But that's a choice that you're constantly getting, um, you know, you're constantly having pushed in front of you by both the international sort of queer movement who would say things like, well, how can you support, you know, other Palestinians who are homophobic, but you're also getting that from, you know, your family potentially saying, well, how can you be queer when queer is a foreign export? Mm -hmm. So um, it's it's complex, but at the same time, there's a very, I, I think there's a very well-developed queer movement in Palestine that is going from strength to strength. And what we're seeing is that, in fact, bringing queer into the conversation is incredibly important in actually challenging some of the colonial violence that we experience. Mm. And from your understanding, do many queer Palestinians actually move to Tel Aviv and, and become citizens of Israel? So that is sort of the... I, I guess that's sort of what... Israel would like to have you believe is the case mm. that, you know, Palestine is such an awful place that even for Palestinians who are queer, you know, there is a safe haven for them in Tel Aviv. Uh, that's nonsense because it, Israel is an apartheid system with racialized laws that are deliberately meant to exclude and eliminate Palestinians. So 
There's no rainbow door through the apartheid wall where you enter Tel Aviv and suddenly everything is paradise. Mm. That's, that's nonsensical. And what ends up happening is, you know, people are caught between these two sorts of realities. Like, as I said, homophobia on one hand and also the colonial violence on the other. And that's not a choice that you want to have. You want to be able to live on your land, to resist the occupation of your land, to you know fight against that violence of settler colonialism, to live in dignity, but also not be forced to choose between two different aspects of your identity. So it's not queerness as being secondary to Palestinian. It's about an identity of Palestinian and queer that is very much interconnected. Mm-hmm. And you touched a bit on before about this Israeli narrative of Tel Aviv as a, a pink paradise in some respects. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about sort of pink washing and its connection to Israel's strategy in general being an apartheid state? Mm. So pink washing is a, sort of a tactic that's used by Israel to sort of distract from human rights abuses by saying, well, look at how good we are on gay rights. And it's a very um, cynical use of queer rights in that sense. Um, And what I find frustrating, to be quite honest, is it works really, really well Mm. because it plays very well to sort of liberal gay communities in the West. Um, I find that pretty infuriating because, you know, as a queer person myself who exists in these communities in the West, um, we already have these horrible problems of racism in the queer community. And then to be told, oh, but like, you know, Israel's so much better on like queer rights. It's like, ah! (laughs) Um, But I think, you, you know... We we saw time and time again, especially um, last year with the um, Sydney Festival boycott campaign, when when Palestinians had said to Sydney Festival that they needed to return the sponsorship money that they received from the Israeli embassy, um, we saw that the Israel lobby had wheeled out, you know, international figures. Um, to sort of say, oh well, boycotting Israel is wrong, but you know how can how can you boycott Israel? Like they're they're a bastion of human rights and decency, and like also gays. Mm. Um, so you know we we really need to look at this in like if you are queer and you you genu- genuinely support queer rights and queer rights for all, why doesn't that extend to Palestinians? And how can how can you allow queer, you know, liberation to be used in the service of a settler colonial agenda? Like that is actually antithetical to queer liberation, um, and it, it sort of strips away the meaning from the term. It like um, if that is what queer is, you know, at the expense of the lives of other people, then in many ways there's not very much point to it. 
You're on Queering the Air, 3CR. If you're just joining us, we're listening to a conversation with Farhad Ali, a queer Palestinian activist, all about Israeli pinkwashing and queer liberation for Palestine. Let's take a listen to the second part. Mm. And do you think there's more awareness happening around the Australian queer communities about this issue? Like, do you think it's been put on the table or is it still sort of, you know, not many people are behind um, queer, the idea of liberating Palestine as a queer issue? I think that what we're seeing is that this um, understanding is growing Um, and that's great. But at the same time as well, um, the precise analysis that we need to take into this, there needs to be developed even further. So, yes, Palestine is a queer issue and a queer queer rights in Palestine are sort of, you know, very important to the overall project of decolonization. But what does that mean? What does that look like? But more than that, how do we how do we see or analyze the situation outside of sort of this very Western kind of framework of, you know, Palestine is queer. Where queer rights in Palestine come in is is very different to how they would come in here. So if you expect to see queer liberation in, in, in the Palestinian context look exactly like it does here, then you're going to be disappointed because these are two fundamentally separate trajectories and they shouldn't they shouldn't have to follow each other. There's no one true road to queer liberation. Um, you know, the, the very essence of Palestinian queer identity doesn't need to necessarily look like what mainstream queer identities look like here. Um, mm. And that's okay. Um, what's important, though, is we are able to construct a society in which queer liberation is engendered. And I think that the the the, the danger is people will look at Palestine and say, well... You know, I don't, I don't see myself as being able to live there and be queer, and therefore, it's not really queer then. But that that kind of is a po- point. Like that's a problem. Mm. Like it's not for you; it's for us. Like queer liberation in Palestine is for queer Palestinians, and so the, this idea that you can sort of like transplant yourself and see see Palestine through the lens of like sort of Western uh, queer hegemony is like a really bad idea. Um, And that's why Palestinian voices need to be centered, why Palestinian narratives need to be, you know, popularized, because we need to be able to express what that means to us, rather than have sort of like the absence of that narrative speak for itself. Mm hmm. Really um, great point there about sort of decentering Western viewpoints and perspectives from the issue. Um, you've been touching on this term about queer liberation in Palestine throughout this interview, and I want to ask you exactly what does that mean? So, um, something that is sort of central to the settler colonial project is sort of the heteropatriarchal violence that is inflicted upon Palestinian and Palestinians is very much sustained by um, the brutality, but also in, in many ways. So, so first of all, there's the, the elimination of Palestinians, like so the, the sort of genocidal logic of Zionism. But there's also, you know, the enforcement 
of certain societal kind of values that sort of serve that colonialism. So um, what I'm getting at here is that under an occupation regime, there is no space to be queer, right? Because you have this very violent system that is trying to eliminate you. And so the response to that system tends to be very, you know, masculine, very militarized, um, very patriarchal in many ways. And so when we talk about queer liberation in Palestine, we're really talking about creating a system or a society in which we, we kind of combat some of those structures. And that's, that's you know, essentially linked to some much broader problems. So, for example, for example, the question of Palestinian feminism. Um, now, the problem is for, for queer Palestinians, queer rights, as, you know, they may look here, has never been the central problem. The, the central problem has always been the colonial regime. Mm. And so when we talk about queer liberation in Palestine, we're talking about empowering queer people in Palestine against the violence that they endure from the colonial regime. And so, um, again, that's, that's a very important point because it's very distinct from what we might understand queer liberation to be here. But it's also this idea that in order to build a society in which Palestinians can all be free, we need to take down the military occupation, but we also need to empower queer Palestinians to actually be Palestinian, to actually have the you know, security in themselves to be who they want to be and to live how they want to live. And that can't come without the abolition of the apartheid system. We've talked a bit about boycotts. Um, you mentioned the Sydney Festival mm. before. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on how um, queer people in the West and in Australia can support this cause. So one of the best things you can do if you are in the West and you want to support Palestine is to get involved with you know, community-led actions to sort of stand with Palestine. So we're talking about some of the uh, campaigns like the Boycott, Divestment and Sanctions campaign calling for, you know, an international boycott response to Israel. Um, there's some really good ones happening in, um, you know, in NARM at the moment, including the um, campaign against Elbit, which is a um, weapons manufacturer uh, based in Israel that has, um, I believe, partnerships with currently RMIT. So that's a really good campaign um, to get around. Um, but also, you know, we have this ever-growing movement. Um, and, and something that is, as a Palestinian, quite frustrating is that I can, I can sit here and I can talk to you about these issues, but um, getting that narrative out is quite difficult because it is policed by both social media and mainstream media corporations. Um, mm. And it makes it very hard for, you know, people like me and other Palestinians to, to talk about the issue. Um, so one of the most important things you can do is actually reach out to Palestinians to to listen to our voices, to actually demand that we be centered, to, to make sure that Palestinian narratives are actually prioritized um, because we can't get anywhere if we aren't even heard in the first place. So, you know, get involved in the campaigns, the boycott, divestment and sanctions campaigns, come to the rallies and the protests and, and you know, listen to our voices when we speak.
Well, Farhad, thank you so much for coming in um, and sharing all of your wisdom with us here at Queering the Air. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. You're on Queering the Air on 3CR, uh, joined by Jacob. And we just had a little chat with uh, Farhad Ali about queer liberation in Palestine and the the use of pinkwashing as a part of the Israeli uh, settler colonial project. Now, if you want to check out the Boycott, Divestment and Sanctions campaign that was uh, mentioned earlier, you can head to www.bdsmovement.net. So I'll pop that link in the show notes. Uh, That's a really great way you can support queer Palestinians, um, especially as Tel Aviv Pride approaches in early June. Now, we're going to head to another track. Um, I was very... Uh, compelled is what I was looking for. I was very compelled by Manny Blue's uh, track, so I've had a look through her other discography, discography, um, and we found this one called Round and Round, so I'm going to play it for you now. This is Round and Round by Manny Blue. You make me crazy But I guess it's just a part of you Don't you think I feel so hazy and I think that there's a hole in you Do you blink? This feeling so intangible I can't describe You're saying you can't see me Though I live deep inside This color's so electric You've got it so bright I wonder if you'll feel me Though I live in your mind Vision's fading. This vision's fading. And I know, we know it's hard to feel. If it's real, real. you say I'm breathing. Oh, do our device, but now I can't stop falling down. This feeling's so intangible, I can't describe. You're saying you can't see me, though I live deep inside. This color's so electric, you've got it so bright. Oh, I know it's hard to see oh, I what you're telling me. Why go? 
one was Round and Round by Manny Blue. Uh, We're coming to the closing minutes of our show today, but I just wanted to say thanks so much uh, for all of the listeners who have tuned in. If you like the content that we have here on 3CR, it's really important if you have the means uh, to financially back us. We are a community radio station uh, and we we are very uh, dependent on donations from listeners to keep ourselves afloat. Now, coming up in June is our annual Radiothon. Sasha will be heading the the ship of the the Queering the Air Radiothon um, to fundraise and, and keep our show on the air but please if you like what we do um head to our instagram page queering the air 3cr and click on the link in bio and you'll find that there's a a crowd uh raiser to raise some money over radiothon so please 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 donate uh if you can it would be absolutely um amazing to get that support so yeah thanks uh for tuning in everyone i think that brings us to the end of the program which is yeah this is my my second last show of the year so um closing minutes of my radio career in 2023 we're gonna close up now um with a quick community announcement about radiothon and then i'm gonna play you a track by stevzar who appeared on last week's show it's called pangea thanks for tuning in uh, and stay stay tuned for Salam Radio Show coming up next. Throughout the month of June, we'll be asking you, the listener, to support radical community-owned media during our Radiothon. We'll be taking donations online, over the phone and in the station to help keep 3CR going for another year. Fierce, independent community media is vital and we need your support to keep radical voices and issues on the airwaves. The 3CR Radiothon kicks off in June. To donate, go to 3cr.org.au. Call the station on 03 or drop in at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy during business hours. 3CR, stay tuned, stay radical. for your mind, your body, and your soul. It's the power to arouse curiosity. The purpose, the goal which one acts on. A journey of force, hot like the sun and wet like the rain. Rhythmatic movements in unison with others prolong and act a sensation with no limits or boundaries. Eternity is past, wrong is right. It's the point of greatest intensity, pleasures of the highest sense, feelings of warmth and security, willing and unwilling sensations of 
seduction, the ultimate seduction, the realm. Your soul. 